Um, this is the seminar for looking at spirit-led worship. Do you think we can bring, can this light come down a little bit or is that going to make it really, that one there? Oh, no, keep going. That's quite fun. Just that one. A little bit more? Does that mean you can't see? Are you all right? Is wow, that's weird. I've been looking at it too long. Um, hey, it's so, so great to see you guys. Um, how many of you were here yesterday? Oh, that's brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Can you see me okay? Is that all right? Correct. I can actually see you, which is brilliant. How many of you were here yesterday? Sorry, put your hands up. Okay, fantastic. Um, where were the rest of you? That's all I've got to say. Um, no, um, so at the end of yesterday's session, um, I asked people as they went out just to sort of leave some um, questions with the stewards that I would go and mull over and look over and be ready to, you know, anything you want to talk about on worship at all. Um, we've actually managed to make an entire book up. Um, there's been like like tons of questions, so we're going to dig into some of these. It's going to be great um, as well. At some point today, I'll um, I'll make sure that we spend some time looking at those. Um, so I'm Nick. For those of you who weren't here yesterday, and I work for a church called St Stephen's in Twickenham. I'm a songwriter and a worship leader, and this particular session is looking at this whole issue of spirit-led worship, the connection between the spirit and worship and tomorrow we're going to be holding a seminar in here which is all to do with how do I stay passionate for God throughout the seasons through the seasons of survival and the seasons of revival uh, and you know you, there'll be different people in different places that's what we're going to be doing tomorrow and the day after the final day we're going to be looking at the future of worship what's next where is it going uh, so you're all very welcome to any of those um and I just want to kick off really by just uh, thinking about, you know, we've all known, I guess, the good, the bad and the ugly when it comes uh, to sort of leading worship and services that we've known when things went wrong. And I would love to tell you about one of mine, which was one particular morning service at my old church um, where we had an evangelistic service. Uh, we had a load of guests who came in. They were dressed up uh, for this baptism in the morning. And... Uh, and the service went pretty well, you know, it's a bit of an open day, isn't it, a guest service, you're kind of showing people who you are and what you can do, the best bits, you know. So we assembled this great band and it was going really well. And the talk was a great evangelistic talk, you know, seeker sensitive, it's wonderful. And then we got to the end and just as I uh, went back up onto the stage, uh, the leader of the service said, look, why don't you end by playing Amazing Grace? Sounds simple enough, at the time I hadn't played Amazing Grace for a really, really, really long time. And basically, I got back onto the stage in front of all these guests. I mean, the church was rammed. And I did what most worshipers do. I was like, it's in G. <laughs> so I got the guitar, and I, I sort of just strummed the G chord, and it went like this. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. <laughs> I don't think anyone became a Christian that day. They're certainly more aware that there was a decision to be made. Um, and you know, I'm really passionate about what we're looking at today in this hour. Uh, and I just want to ask, how many people here are worship leaders? 
Okay, how many people here lead churches or their service leaders in any particular way? Okay, musicians? Okay, mis miscellaneous? <laughs> wow, everyone put their hand up for that. That's probably, wow, that's deep spiritually. There's something to be said for that. Um, but I'm so passionate about this, and it, I guess if you were to cut me open, what you would find is that my, the thing I value the most is the ministry of the Spirit in all that I do. That's what I love. That's what I long for. That's what I'm passionate about. When I lead worship, that's what I'm thinking about. It's the question on my mind, you know, how can we connect this to you, God? What are you doing? We're not just playing a bunch of songs. And I guess what I've realized over the years is that you know, if anything is going to get disguised, hidden, neglected or pushed to one side, it's always ministry. Because ministry is out of our control. And it's something that's, that's messy and it's misunderstood. And when you bring that into the context of worship, worship which is something that we all own so strongly and we all feel so strongly about, quite rightly so, it can become incredibly messy. What does it look like? But I'm convinced more than ever that the church of Jesus Christ has always been built on encounter, not entertainment. More than ever. I love entertainment. I lo I'm a songwriter. I love thinking about how can we write the best songs out there. God help me to really be creative, to push the boundaries. But when it all comes down to it, I think the church of Jesus is built on encounter. It's built on people experiencing his presence. And I guess, as I was saying yesterday when I talked about worship and my own testimony where I encountered God in a time of worship and I heard his voice audibly and it was a life-changing, game-changing moment for me, someone coming from absolutely nowheresville to suddenly realizing, yeah, God is real and that he absolutely loves me, he loves me, he loves me. Ever since then, that shaped the way I believe and what I see in the Bible and the way I think about worship, which is we're not just gathering when we gather to pull off a meeting. We're gathering to meet with God. Sounds so great, sounds so simple. But I realize some of us here are already going, yes, but how? How when, when it looks like this? Or how when I don't know what to do and how to go about it? And we're going to look at all this stuff today. Um, but I guess a quick question for you, just in twos and threes, is what is spirit-led prophetic worship? Go. Just discuss amongst yourselves. We're on toes today because it's that session in the afternoon when you know when we could all quite happily fall asleep. Um, anyone want to shout something out? Go on. Just spirit-led worship. Yes, go. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's that's so beautiful. I you know, taking the bar lines out and you know, just letting God put them in. I thought I'm not a musician really. I thought you were talking about prison for a minute. Like the bar line <laughs> is so great. I love that, you know, and it's kind of a bit of both actually. Um that is so great and um yeah, I absolutely love that. I mean, basically, you know, when we follow the promptings, the whispering of the Holy Spirit as we lead worship, 
we can go on some of the most incredible journeys in our lives. When we seek to say, you know what, we're just not going in this linear way. But at any moment, God could break in and do something. And really, they can be some of the most rewarding, fulfilling, risky, scary, messy times of worship. I guess a time of prophetic worship is would look kind of inspirational in some way. Probably quite messy. But I would probably say there's no real distinction between worship and prophetic worship. It's all the same thing. It's all revealing Jesus. As it says in the book of Revelation, the spirit of prophecy is the testament. It's about Jesus. And that's why it's so great, because it's revealing more of who he is. And a couple of misconceptions about this kind of worship. Well, some people think it's a new thing. Well, it's not new. You see it throughout the Bible time and time again. A deep connection between worship and the Spirit of God. Um, just a couple of scriptures for you. Philippians 3 verse 3 says, We who worship by the Spirit of God. By the Spirit of God. It's, it's not by anything else. We worship by the Spirit of God. He's central. He's key. He's at the core. He's at the heart of it all. Throughout the Old Testament, we see this in, again in um, the book of Kings, where we have Elisha, and he's um, commanded, he says, you know, bring me this person with a harp, and as this person plays with the harp, uh, someone is delivered, and there's a connection with music and the Spirit. And I'll just, um, I'll just give you that scripture, 2 Kings 3, 14 to 19, great story, read it. 1 Chronicles 25, 3. Jaduthan's sons, who were all set apart to be people who were musicians, who prophesied. You know, these are people who, who got it. And we're called in a way to say, well, what does it look like for us now? Another um, misconception is that I guess when people think about prophetic worship, sometimes they think, well, isn't that just some like random spontaneous singing? Like, isn't that what it is? Um, a friend of mine told me uh, a while ago, he leads a church, and he said um, one Sunday they realized, you know, that the musicians, it, it just, it just gone, gone a little bit pear-shaped in the sense that it was all about the music and where was the sense of intimacy and encounter and engagement and how do we sort of actually engage with God again. So they said, well, on this particular Sunday evening, we're going to absolutely get rid of all the instruments, meet in the middle of the church in the round, and we're just going to wait on God and sing some songs as we respond to him. And it was going pretty well. And then someone in the middle of this singing started to sing out spontaneously. He'll be coming round the mountain when he comes. He'll be coming round the mountain when he comes. Come on, everybody. <laughs> but you know what? It captured the moment. Like people started, their hands were in the air, they were going for it. And by the end of it, it was a, a absolutely enormous because he'll be coming around the mountain, coming around the mountain, coming around the mountain when it comes. And then the person sang the second verse, singing I, I, Ippy, Ippy, I. <laughs> That's not biblical. <laughs> Maybe it is. But it's not just about spontaneous songs. It's about spirit-inspired singing, the movement of the spirit following him. 
Um, it's not simply about something to do with warfare. You know, you can, you can look on the internet, you start typing in things about prophetic worship. It won't be far before you start seeing it all being connected to maybe spiritual warfare. There's an element of that, but it's not purely about that. Um, and it's not simply about the kind of things that happen when we um, experience revival in the church, when we go through seasons when God's spirit is there in a particular way. I think someone once said, you know, when the Spirit of God comes in revival, what he does is it's not necessarily about bringing new songs. It's just making that which is already being played more beautiful. The Spirit of God slightly just somehow just makes everything a bit more real and a bit more beautiful. So it's not simply about times of revival, although new songs can come in those moments. Prophetic songs for a season, for a moment can definitely be true. But the key word for worship leaders and for leaders, is this. It's insight. It's just working out what God's doing in a moment and doing it. And this was the hallmark of Jesus' ministry, wasn't it? I said that. He said, I tell you the truth. In John 5, 19, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. And you know, I've raised up quite a few worship leaders over the years. And I've just moved to this new church, St. Stephen's, and I'm meeting the worship leaders there. And, and the first thing I'm saying to everybody, I said, you know what, when you lead worship, there's only one question I want you to think about. Obviously, I want you to get the songs right, and I want you to think about the singing. I want you to think about the music. But there's only one thing that really matters, in a sense, if you're doing this ministry. The question is, what is God doing? What is God doing? It's the only question. Really? What are you doing today, Lord? I love that. The boy Samuel, you know, he ministered in the temple with God. It, it's almost like built this relationship with God where God's speaking to him. And there's this sense of God, what are, what are you doing today? You know, we want to have that, don't we, in our ministry? What are you doing? But trust me, and I'm sure you know this, when you're in the thick of it, when you're asked to lead on a Thursday night, you know, and you've had no time, you've come back from work and you're absolutely spent and suddenly it's like, you know, it's like, God, what are you doing today? It's probably the last question sometimes. But I want to encourage you today, make it one of the first questions you ask every time you come to lead. You don't have to have a blinding revelation. Sometimes what God is doing is simply just being glorified. And I said yesterday, the premise for all this is that worship is Christ-centered. It's to Jesus, it's for Jesus, it's about Jesus. It's always going to be revealing him. But I want to be thinking about that. Um, I think sometimes there's a, there's a mix-up here. You know, people talk about the prophetic and they think it's something to do with kind of foretelling. It's about what's going to happen in the future. But really, it's forth-telling. It's what is happening now. That's the real heart of it. And, and I guess there was this Vodafone slogan a few years ago which just said, making the most of now. And I guess that really is what we're doing when we're leading worship. In conjunction with God's spirit, we're just like, we're trying to make the most of the moment and say, God, what are you doing? How can I take people there? How can I open those doors to get people closer to you and get myself closer to you? Um, so here's a couple of things about actually leading prophetic worship. 
Any questions so far? Anyone want to check anything out there? Good. Okay. I love you guys. We 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 got to book a questions later, all right? So, um, and in fact, quite a few of these. Uh, there, there's quite a bit in here about this kind of stuff to do with service formats, to do with the prophetic, um, this kind of thing. So we will come on to this stuff. Um, first thing, I guess, is is to stop, look, and listen when you're preparing. This is how I prepare, ready to lead worship, where I can when I've got the time to do it. I mean, I'm. I guess I'm working full-time for the church, so I have more time than most to do it. But here's just a few guidelines that will hopefully help you. Okay, stop, look, and listen. Learn to discern what God is doing beforehand. I think a key to any ministry and a key to the Christian walk is working out how is God speaking to us. How do we discern his voice? People discern his voice in different ways. And that's a biggie. It's a really, really big one. And I'd say if you're in that place of like, well, what are you talking about? How do you even go? There's some great books out there. You know, Hearing the Voice of God. You know, Jack Deere, brilliant book. Like, get get hold of them. Really good books. Get stuck into it. Jesus, uh, in, in John 15, 15, Jesus says this. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends because everything I have learned from my Father I've revealed to you. He's talking about closeness. He's talking about friendship. He's talking about intimacy. He's saying, you know what? The door's wide open now. You can come close. You can hear from me. And when I'm, I guess, beforehand learning to discern God's voice, yeah? That was John 15, 15. Um. When I'm thinking about preparing beforehand, I guess I'm spending time worshipping and asking questions like, God, what are you doing today? Are you anointing particular people? What what shape of journey is this? And you know, the kind of worship uh, at our church is we go on a journey of worship. It's the vineyard model for those who would know. It's that kind of 25 minutes where you're singing a journey of songs one after the next. I know not everyone here will, will be doing it that way. There's no particular right or wrong way. That's just the way we do it. Um, but the idea all the time, the end game is encounter. At some point, we want to meet God on this journey as we worship him. And I talked a bit about that yesterday. But all the time I'm thinking, you know, is there a place where we're going to be dwelling today? So it's a bit like the journey is a bit like a country walk. And there's a moment where, you know, you just stop, sit on a bench, you take in the view. And when you're playing the songs, there's a moment where you're just going to dwell for a bit and just be in a moment. And just say, God, and that's the moment. So you're asking, where is that moment? Sometimes if I sense God saying something to me about a theme, I'll be digging back into older songs. Is there an older song, a hymn, or is there a refrain somewhere that we haven't sung for a while that could just bring a freshness to this that we need to bring into the worship set? You know, we've got to bring out the storehouse, the old and the new. Both things all the time. I think we've got to recognize as well the, the tension or I guess what works for each of us in terms of preparing a set list. And um, again, I recognize for some people here, it's a bit like set list looks like, you know, I sing one song, then there's a reading, then I sing another song and then there's a talk and then another song and there's prayers. You know, that that's a different kind of journey. Um, but 
with a set list where you're stringing a few songs together, one after the next, you know, like six songs in a row. Some people have faith in a particular way to go, you know what? They hear from God quite clearly beforehand. It's all sewn up. It's done. You've got the idea and it's in the bag and you just follow it through. And that's one way of doing it. And, and it, if you have faith for that, you have to do it that way. That's the way that works for you. That's, that, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just working out what's right for you. What's right for me is I've found more and more that I can do that, yes. But I find it more and more agonizing as the years go on where I only really sense what God's doing. I can sense beforehand, but when I tend to really sense it is in the moment, in the room. So when I actually stand there, I could have this whole set of celebration planned, and then you stand there and you go, oh my gosh, that's not going to work today. And, and I just sense God's doing something different. So you're holding this tension. I guess it's a bit like the set list is like the boat. You know, and you're going across the water, and occasionally you just have to step out, walk on the water. And if you're, going, if you're crying out and it's not going well, you run back to the boat and you go, help. And, you, and it's the safety net. So I see the set, set list a bit like that. The reason I think I see it like that more and more is because, you know, we're told continually through the Bible that there's a river flowing. And it's the river of God and it flows from the temple of God. And, you know, you think about a river, well, it meanders, it, it does this kind of shape. And I think often when we think about worship and set lists, we, we do that. We think in a linear way. It's like, we're just going like that. If you do that and the river's doing that, what happens is you get you start off and you go in the river for a bit. And then you kind of come out of it while it's gone there. And then you dip back in a bit and you miss it again. And then maybe you dip back in. And you know those worship times we've all had when you have those moments, it's a bit like, oh, there was something of God in that one. Whoa, we lost him. We lost him. Oh, we're back. Hang on a minute. We're back in again. That's awesome. And then suddenly, way he's gone. He's gone. So how do we do that? And that's really the process of experience throughout the years of, of knowing how to navigate the river knowing how to stay in the river as much as we possibly can. And it comes, and well, I'm going to talk a bit about it in a minute, how we, how we get there a bit more. Um, one example of, I guess, hearing something, sensing the presence of God, and what he's saying in the room. I remember one Sunday evening we were rehearsing, and uh, it was one of those Sunday evenings where literally everything just felt so difficult. And we had a great band, but... Every song we tried, it just felt like it was wading through mud. The songs weren't gelling. It was just like, oh, this should have been so good. But it was so bad. And then loads of people are coming in, and it's going to be really bad. And, oh, no. And then, and it was like, I just reached this moment. I, was, I said, look, guys, you know what? Let's just completely forget the set list tonight. And I'm just going to pick a song. And we're just going to start there. We're going to have nothing else on the set list. And let's just go and pray. We're not even going to rehearse that song. Let's just go and pray. So we prayed, and during the, during the prayer time, it was feeling good, you know. It's like, sometimes that's the best thing to do, you know. It's just everyone, hey, let's just be put completely out of our comfort zones tonight, and we're just going to be forced into a position of risk and dependency. And by the way, that's a key one, being dependent in, and just not going default. You know, so often when we're preparing, it's like we do the default thing. The big question I have to ask time and time again is how much do we really want this? 
how much do we really want this? Because if we really want it, it's probably going to look a little bit messy. Um, and I think, uh, you know, so during this particular time, we, we ditched the set list, we chose one song, went and prayed, came back up. And then we, we got up and we, we just kicked off with this song. And during that song, I just had this sense that God wanted to heal people. So in the, in the first song, we just said, you know, I think God wants to heal people. If you want a response to that, come to the front. No sooner had I finished saying it, you know, people are at the front, you know, that's God. You know, you kind of open your eyes sometimes like, is that me or a curry or anything? And, and, and this girl afterwards said, you know, she wasn't going to come forward because she had a bad knee which is why she needed to come forward. She came down and she, she knelt down and then she was healed during this time and, you know, and it was a, a testimony. Sometimes it just happens in that way. It doesn't happen like that all the time. But there's this connection of, God, we, how are we going to get dependent on you again? So often in worship, I think we just do the default thing. Or, or you know, if we think something's not working, we dial it up. And we think, okay, great, it's not working, well, let's dial it up, let's louder, louder, faster, faster, lights, brighter, 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 you know, it's like, let's go down that road. I love all that stuff, but let's not mistake it for the heart of the matter, you know, which is really encountering the Spirit of God in worship. Um Okay, so these are all things like before a service. So when a service is actually happening and as the Lord begins to move and uh, and his spirit begins to fall in a service and falls upon a person, a singer or his people or a musician, we need to kind of learn and be able to recognize and release the anointing a bit more. And that's kind of key. And the key to this really is listening. The key is listening. Uh, it's learning to listen to to God, listen to the band, listen to the congregation. Um, and so how do you release a band member or singer to step out? Well, here's a couple of tips if you're thinking about how do we do this more in our church. First, you've got to cultivate an environment, create a context where people can flourish in freedom, where they start to get it. Um you know, this might be like you have a worship jam or something in the middle of the week and you get all your musicians together and say, you know what, we're just going to wait on God and ask him to inspire us to play and we're not going to play with the bars and we're not going to play all this stuff. We're just going to, and as someone begins to play and step out and take a risk, we're all going to support you and go there. So that could be a way of doing it. Um, second thing I'd say is, and, and you can do that, find a certain space in church life where you could do that. Create a context where freedom can flourish. If you can't find that it, it can necessarily right now, because of lots of reasons, which are all valid reasons as well on a Sunday. Um, get comfortable being on stage. It's a big hurdle for a lot of people. It's like, how can we even think about stepping out and actually really, you know, getting getting involved with the spirit when actually we might just not feel comfortable being on stage it's a big one the roots of a lot of this stuff um, I mean go way way back but in recent more recent times it's from the vineyard worship you know from John Wimber in the 80s when they came to this country and just um, you know sort of left this deposit of intimate sort of spirit-led worship the thing about those worship leaders they were so comfortable with being on stage they sort of walk around and just chew gum and just chill out. You know, it's like it's not a big deal. All they're thinking, it's just they're relaxed, like, just want to worship you, God, and want to see what he's doing. 
that's really key. You know, for a lot of us, and let's not underestimate that, for a lot of us, it's like, you know, we desperately want this to happen, but let's just actually just go a step back for a minute. Let's just get comfortable being on stage, and then let's get that right. Again, let's get comfortable with the musicians. I always find that when you're more comfortable with the musicians, when everyone's on the same page, when everyone has the ethos that if we went off-piste, they would go with me, then it's a lot easier to do that. As opposed to, wow, if I did that, what would happen? Would it be like a car crash back there? Um, affirmation is key. If, if, you, if you create a culture over time where people feel they can step out, then... You know, it's important to affirm them if they do. If you're in a band, and the way I work, I tend to operate, I, I err on the side of freedom with the band members. So I say, look, if you get something, go for it. And if I think it's right, we'll, we'll just, you know, you're leading it and we'll kind of go with you. It could be a drummer bringing a rhythm and suddenly I'm, I'm encouraging everyone, let's listen to it, you know, and we're in the worship and then something happens and it's all like, oh, that's good. Let's, you know, and let's kind of vibe off that. And maybe that's saying something, or it's a singer, and they step out. You know, affirmations key. Just like, yeah, go for it. Create an environment where it's okay to step out. Um, obviously, sometimes you've got to do some groundwork to get to that place. To get to a place where pretty much everyone's like got that DNA, that they know ultimately that you're leading it. You know, and and it, and therefore, if it means you've got to go. You know, which is just a signal for let's draw it all right in. Then everyone's cool with that. You know, it's not about offending anyone. It's just a decision. We're just not going to do that right now. We're going to wait for a bit or whatever. But they're the kind of people we want to be building in our bands and our teams. Um, give permission. Give permission for people to have space to breathe, to develop, to grow. Permission for something to grow. Again, affirmation, permission. All these things are key. How do you respond if a congregation member steps out? Well, I would say the best worship leaders, in my opinion, are the people who've prayed for a lot of people, are the people who've done a lot of, um, you know, praying for people in the power of the Spirit, because they've developed and built up a lifestyle of, I guess, um, learning to track and move and be very relaxed in maybe discerning what the Spirit's doing. Let's not make a mistake about this. It's not the kind of stuff. I mean, we all have moments of glory, but to develop it over time, you just got to keep doing it and keep doing it. So I'm encouraging all our musicians. You know, if you want to be in the worship team, you've got to be able to put your instruments down and pray for people. It's kind of really key. I want every musician, every leader, everyone there to be in a position where actually we're so much more than just musicians. With people who are praying for people, with people who are getting a heart for people, with people who are learning more than anything what it means to have words of knowledge, what it means to suddenly see something in the spirit, what it means to have the prophetic gift. Um, here's the thing about this stuff. I, I read this on someone's Twitter feed recently and I just thought this is such a good insight into ministry. You know, times of ministry, times of when we talk about asking the Spirit to come, it's not about having a slot in a service. It's not about fulfilling that requirement. We've got to have this slot. Really, the whole deal, and it's not about even saying, well, we need to have something spiritual in our worship. Is that mine? No. Um, I've got the same one as that. Um, 
It's really about stewarding the supernatural. That's what we're doing. Really the DNA of what we're doing when we gather as the people of God. If you look at the book of Corinthians in the New Testament, where you see that when people came together to meet as the church, you had to wear a crash helmet in there. It's like there are prophecies, there are words of knowledge. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff going. It's almost like, whoa, slow down, guys. There's so much going on. It's a roller coaster right now, which is pretty good because it you know, when you see that kind of life, you realize, yeah, Jesus is alive. You know, church shouldn't resemble a funeral. But you got it. It's like we're stewarding the supernatural. It's ha- God's moving. Are we helping to be part of that? You know, <laughs> like He's moving. So that's our challenge. We can do this with Him, or we can do our own thing without Him. Learn about prophetic songs. I guess is pretty key. Um, you know, if someone sings out from the congregation, there are different types of song. There could be someone sings out a song when you have a time of just a waiting. And it could be the song, uh, sometimes you get the song of the Father. It's like the song of God singing over us. If I'm a worship leader and I hear that happen, I might acknowledge that afterwards. I'd let the song go and I'd just say, um, you know, there are different types of songs that we hear in this context. That one was really about God singing over us. And what he was saying was this. And you'd just name it and you'd help people encourage it. So let's spend some time that place. It's almost like you're stewarding the whole thing. Um, I guess there's, there's a song acknowledging what God is doing, you know, so it's almost, that's more of a prophetic song for the moment. So someone starts singing out something about healing. It's like, well, God, God's healing right now. That's, that's what he's doing. He's revealed it in a song. That's the moment. So then you have to pick up on that and probably have a time of healing, I guess. Um, there's a song of pure praise where really it is just, you know, be glorified, be lifted high. You are the Lord, the Lord of all creation, King of kings, Redeemer. You know, it's that kind of thing. Often I would tend to find that that is, um, if someone sings out in a tongue, you know, and has a kind of specific uh, tongue, if there's an interpretation of it, you sometimes get lots of interpretations. I'd say the ones that tend to feel right with that, although there's no rules to a certain degree, but are the ones that are like pure praise, it seems to be that way quite often. They're the ones that really, really stick. Um, I love this verse in Revelation 14, 1 and 2. It says, I looked and behold, a lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice in heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. That's Revelation 14, 1, to two, 1 and 2. I like that. The voice of many waters, the sound of the voice like thunder. And you know those moments when we all sing out in the spirit or we all sing out a song? It's like that, isn't it? It's like many waters. And that's what it is, isn't it? It's the spirit welling up in each person. Beautiful moments. That's another type of singing that can happen prophetically. I would say, encourage you, if you experience that in a service, don't be afraid to wait. Don't be afraid to wait. Just let it happen. See what happens. Take a second look. Don't settle for second best. You know, sometimes I've been in an environment where you might say, I think there's a song in the room, and and several people sing a song, and it's like, that was a beautiful song. I'm not sure that's the one, and, you know... (laughs) 
and you just wait and you press on through. And sometimes there have been about four or five songs you say that, that they're all great. I, th- I just think there's one more. And then someone will bring it and it's like, that's the song. The others were all valid. It's just right now that's the one that's ministering to us in a particular way. This stuff's incredibly messy because it's like there's a human element to it and we just get things wrong, you know, and we kind of have to be comfortable with that. The fact that sometimes, you know what, we're going to say stuff that's probably, it wasn't right. That's the deal with this ministry, but over time, the more we do it, you get more comfortable with it. How are for time? I just want to make sure we've got time for your questions. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, just a little bit about, how much have I got here? Is this useful stuff, guys? Is it kind of, that was positive, thanks. Um, okay. <laughs> the only way to grow in this stuff is to take risks. It's the only way to grow. The only way to grow in this stuff is take risks. <laughs> it's the only way to grow. Did you get it? Yeah. It's the only, like there's, there's no other way. <laughs> like there just, there just isn't another way. <laughs> you know, like I've said that so many times in these talks and I, I see people go, yeah, it's great, yeah, right, it's done. <laughs> it's like, no, no, you've got to take a risk. Like. <laughs> and, and risk can be scary, risk can be so exciting. It's not that we try and manufacture something, it's about, well, God, I sensed you saying something and I stepped out. Now, I know this is difficult because there will be some people in this room probably who've taken a risk, they've stepped out and it just went wrong or it just something was difficult. I just want to encourage you, don't, don't lose heart. You know, we're all learning. We get stuff wrong, we get stuff right. No one has the full ministry. It's okay. Um, I remember I was going to lead worship at this event um, a few years ago, and there's several thousand people going to be there. And I remember thinking, Lord, I need some inspiration. You know, I need some insight before I'm going in. I just need you to speak to me. And you know, in those moments when you're kind of desperate, and you start, you know, your, your prayer language starts sounding more holy. Like, oh, Lord, I beseech thee. You know, deliver me from the wicked foe. And grant that I may hear your voice clearly, telling me how to lead your people in song. And I prayed a prayer like that. And at the end of it, God said this to me. I want you to shake the coconut tree. I really felt. He said, I want you to shake the coconut tree. Don't laugh, you'll spill your coffee. <laughs> I can see your balance, that's a balancing act going on right there. <laughs> and you've done it very well. You've got one hand like that and it's just going like that. It's very, very good. And I unpacked that. I did this little Google search like, shake the coconut tree. And it's apparently it's this term in like one of these card games like poker where it's about, you know, um, amongst other things, but it's about kind of doing something in such a way that kind of, you know, forces others to show their hand. I didn't think God was saying, I want you to force people into anything. I just felt he was saying, I want you to take risks. If you sense me saying something to you, 
I want you to take a risk and be obedient. That's all I'm asking you to do, Nick, is be obedient. But the outcome, you've got to leave to me. Like sometimes you'll, you'll be obedient, you'll take a risk, you'll shake the coconut tree and like nothing will happen. Or nothing seemingly will happen. Sometimes one coconut will fall. Sometimes the whole lot will fall. It'd be incredibly dangerous. We've got to get out of that space quickly. But I'm asking you to be obedient. And I remember there was one time in this particular event when we just reached the point I felt God saying the song's in the room. So we ended up singing and I said, you know, we're going to stop. I think the song's in the room. We're just going to wait for a minute. It's like, I don't know, two and a half thousand or something. It was like just a lot of people. And we waited. And then someone sang out a song and it, it just, it wasn't right. You know, it, it was just a bit awkward and you could tell everyone was a little bit, you know, but great. It, it could have it been really meaningful, but it was just like, ah, this is awkward. So we just let that one, someone else sang a song and it just wasn't, I remember that it was like, by this point I was like, oh God, Lord, is this the one? Please, can this be the one? And I started trying to pick up on it and trying to play. And the idea is, I guess, that if someone would have a song like that, then we'd try and work out the key and we, we'd try and support them from the stage. And then the band, and I'd say to the band, what key is it in? And, you know, then maybe we could develop something and develop a whole new song. Uh, and I started playing this song and I was just trying to work it out. It's like, you know, it sounded interesting but a bit unusual. I turned around to our drummer and he said, please don't even play that song. It's got such an unusual time signature. <laughs> so I just thought, yeah, maybe that isn't the right one. And I waited a bit longer. I was just like, no, no, the song's over there. Uh, I think it's a lady. You've got the song. You're over there. And, and like said it, and this lady sang out. And we found the key. And suddenly the, the, the place just erupted. It was like the, the, the shape of the church changed. It was no longer like we're, we're leading you. It's like the Spirit of God had just suddenly taken over and when we'd found the key and it reached this crescendo. It was incredible. And we found in that moment a beautiful truth is that risky, risky places become holy spaces. You know, when we take risks, the riskiness of it, when we, when we just seek to follow God, it's often in those moments that become the holiest moments become the most incredible moments. Um, I suppose a kind of question for you to think about is when did you last take a risk in your ministry? When did you last step out? You know, when did you last say, God, I, I felt you were saying this, so I went for it, and, you know, this is what happened. I'll leave that one with you. Um... And I guess this all sounds great, doesn't it, in a way? It's like, yeah, great, I, I've signed up to this. Brilliant, bring it on. You know, I'm so up for this. But but let's face it, it's not quite as simple as that. Um, and a, a couple of reflections on the current climate. I think we have a couple of problems. And I think there's, you know, I think let's call it what it is. I think there's the excellence problem that sometimes we have. You know, I remember having this conversation with a, a drummer a few years ago who's who's actually toured the world. And he's a really spirit-filled guy, prophetic guy. He's, he's an awesome guy. And he came to this event, was that, and he, he, um, he'd spent the afternoon just going around the different venues and he'd been sort of listening to things going on. And I ended up having this conversation 
with him and um, this record producer in the afternoon. He just said, what's going on? I said, well, what do you mean what's going on? He said, well, where's the freedom? Where's the freedom? So where's it all gone? He's just been around the venues listening to stuff. And where's, where's it gone? You know, they're kind of the, they're just the, the meandering. The, you know, they're just going with God. And, and this record producer, who's a great, really spiritual guy, amazing person, he just said, yeah, people have learned to play the songs better these days. In a way, that's what's happened. And, and, and praise God for that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's only wrong when we realize that's all that we've got. Actually, we want a bit of both. You know, we want to play the songs better. We want to be excellent before God. We want to give him our best. There's nothing wrong with that. But we don't just want to climb that ladder and get to the top of it one day. And then God says, oh, that's great, but you climbed the wrong ladder. Like, I wanted the ladder where you gave your best and you really went for that, but you also really were really happy to hold it lightly and just completely allow me to break in at any point if needs be. I love this quote from Martin Smith. Um, and I know Martin's doing a little gig tonight. Encourage you get along. Um, you know, he's so definitely someone I've, I'm, you know, got to know really well over the last few years. And I think I've learned so much from Martin. He's very good at stepping out in the prophetic, spirit led worship. Really, really great. Um, but he said this excellence is overrated. I'd rather have passion any day. Love that. So true. I think the next problem is the expectancy problem, and I touched on this earlier, is, is really how much do we really want this in our heart of hearts? Because if we really want it, it's going to be interesting. You know, it's going to be interesting if we really want it, because it could get a bit messy. So that's a question you've got to kind of do a bit of soul searching on, get with other people, like, do we really want this? Um... I remember going to this, leading worship at this event in another country um, earlier this year. And it was actually being recorded live on this radio station, the worship. And the, and the message came through via a third party that if we were to step out and, I don't know, sing out in a particular way or, or step out um, and follow the Spirit and sing in tongues and stuff, um, there was a button on this radio um, so that would they'd, they'd press it and we'd go to a pre-recorded program. And then when we sort of came back into the set list, they'd press it again and we'd be back, back in. And and I, th you know, I call this button the quencher. It's like the great quencher, you know. But But, you know what, yeah, maybe I don't have that many issues about taking risks in worship. I've led worship for a long, long time. You know, I, I probably don't. But I'll be honest, there's probably other areas in my life, life where I press the great quencher. It's not just about Sunday, is it? It's like it, the, the battles we win, the victories we win, the times when we haven't quenched the spirits throughout the week, they're the victories we take with us when we lead worship. And they're absolutely key to this ministry because ultimately it's all about the intimacy of the heart, the deepest places of the heart. And the question I have to ask all the time, the question... You know, I want to put out to you is how are the deep places of the heart right now? Oh, that's a biggie, yeah? We've got to be thinking about that. It all flows out of this relationship with God. And I think that's pretty much it. just want to say there's a paradox at the heart of this ministry. The wind blows where it will. There are some times when we think we've got it all sewn up. We've got a word from God. We've got the great set list. All the conditions are right. And for whatever reason, it, it all goes wrong. 
And there are other times when we feel pretty distant. We, we don't have much connection, but God shows up in a massive way. And any scenario is possible. And I think hopefully that keeps us dependent. But as we step out and follow God and seek to just be obedient, you know pure gold comes from this ministry. Moments that once you've tasted and seen them, there's just kind of no turning back. In a way, they ruin you because it's like nothing else will do till the next one comes along. And, and then that's another issue altogether is managing expectation within that. Um, so I hope that's okay. Amen. Um, what's the time? 22. Okay, should I just chuck out a few of these questions? Should we just look at a few of these? Is that good? Is that what people want to do? Yeah? Okay, good. We'll just do a few, and maybe I'll do a few more tomorrow, um, and the next few days. We'll just work, there's enough here for, till spring harvest next year. Okay, um, okay, here we go. This is a nice, simple one. How would you approach telling someone who wants to lead worship that maybe it's not their gifting? Oh, man. I'm just going to see if there's another one. Um, <laughs> I'm never letting you guys do this again, right? <laughs> well, I think that's an interesting one. I mean, I think in the sense that, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. You know, know the truth and the truth will set you free. And it's a real art, like what is truth? You know, it's like, <laughs> but but knowing truth and, and knowing, you know, being able to say it sometimes in love is actually the best thing we can ever do because it will set someone free to be who they're called to be. And not and we owe it to them sometimes to really just be honest in love and just just almost say, look, here's the deal, you know. And, and I love you, but I'm not sure this is the right thing for you. And I know that's incredibly hard sometimes, but... In the long run, it's better, uh, you know. And, and it's also saying, you know, where's your heart? What, what can you do? I would always encourage people, if we do auditions, for want of a better word, I always start them by saying, look, you might be new to the church. You could have been involved in a worship team for 20 years in your old church. It doesn't necessarily mean so you're going to be involved in worship here. So I set the expectation for new people. I say, and if you aren't involved here for whatever reason, but you feel called here, then I want to challenge you, find out and ask the question, what is God doing in you in this season right now? And almost throw it back and say, that's the bigger challenge all the time. Um, next one. Okay, this is kind of like the same question. How do you worship if you're playing guitar? Um, how can you kind of abandon, I think, yourself in worship? And as the leader, if you're leading others um, to worship, how can you get to that place yourself? I think that's key. I mean, I think one of the best quotes I've ever heard about worship is worship is simply taking your private cry and making it public. And I think that's pretty key. It's like, what is the private cry? It's like John the Baptist you know, he developed a voice in the desert, in the wilderness. It was his voice. It, was, it wasn't developed from the library. It was developed from in his life. And when we come to lead worship, that's what's going on. 
It's like that cry that's going on. We're trying to get there. I think there are elements when you lead worship. The idea is to do as much groundwork as possible. I encourage worship leaders where possible to keep their eyes open all the time. Because I'm just saying I want them to see what God's doing. I want them to look up. And you know, maybe that can look forensic sometimes. But I think it's quite key to kind of navigate and see what is God doing. Um, and I think there's an element of you just have to kind bring the whole lot together somehow. But, that, that you know, and certainly there's an element of it being a little bit false when you're thinking about I've got a click track in my ear. And, you know, if you're at that stage and you're doing that kind of stuff and, wow, I can just hear the band and I can't even hear the congregation because I've got in ears in. And, you know, that's another level of what does that feel like? But I think just as experience, as you grow in experience, you learn to just juggle and hold it all. You just learn to say, you know what, that's partly what experience is about, isn't it? You just get comfortable with the fact that, you know, it's not as straightforward as we want it to be. It's not as pure as we want it to be sometimes. But I guess you become more comfortable with that fact. Um, it's quite good. It's quite exciting, isn't it? You never know quite what's going to... Okay, one of these, why isn't there a worship workshop session for piano keyboard players? I don't know. I think, is there one? But there usually is something somewhere. Um, it's a very good question. I know I've been to plenty of these kind of things. There's usually something somewhere about keyboards. Maybe there's not this week. Um, and I don't know why that is, because we've got a great keyboard player in the big top. He's awesome. I know there's a vocal seminar and session, but... Um, there sometimes are ones around, but for this week, I don't know. Um, how do you lead worship with more confidence? I think you just do more of it. You know, the, the more you do, the, the better you get at it. The big thing about worship leading is being in the flow of it. Um, it's, it's a lot harder when you haven't been doing it for a while, and suddenly, you, however much experience you've got, and suddenly you get back into it. It's like, ah, uh, I feel like I'm going from naught to 90 again. You know, it's like getting yourself into that place. Whereas when you're in the flow, um, it's a lot easier. Like I've just been leading worship at this the new church where I'm at for like three months solid, like morning and evening. And it's just, I'm in that flow right now. <laughs> you know, where you're just in that place of, okay, you sort of try stuff that you can only try in that moment when you've been doing it like that. Um, but I think that's the key, really. And, and also lead in as many different contexts as possible. I think sometimes we can be limited in just one way. I've, I've learned over the last few years particularly, get out and about. If you can lead in a different context, it definitely gives you a lot of, um, lot of confidence. Okay, maybe we'll make this the last one. What's the, are we at the end? Is it quarter two? Yes? Okay. 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 Um, any ideas about mixing traditional hymns? which are really wonderfully deep and meaningful. I said that as if they were really wonderfully deep and meaningful, didn't I? Um, and modern worship songs. Any ideas about mixing the traditional and the modern? Um, yeah, I think that's great. I mean, I'm a big fan of, you know, I think someone once said, you know, we talk about new songs, but like a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years are like a day. So when we talk about a new song, it's like a second old to God, <laughs> you know, compared to the hymns. And I, th I think we can just pull out of the storehouse all the different stuff. That's the key for a worship leader is you're bringing out of the storehouse the old and the new. 
You're mixing together. You know, the truth is the old provides stability and safety. And it, it helps people at a pastoral level. It helps people. But there's nothing like an anointed, new, relevant song to unlock something fresh like nothing before. That The old song can't really do that sometimes. The new song has the power to do that. And I think we've got to keep pressing on and doing that and definitely bringing new songs in. Thanks so much. I'll stick around for a bit if you want to ask questions. Remember, tomorrow I'll just quickly pray, Lord, thank you for today. And I just pray that all the different environments we're going back to, that we'd see more of your spirit working, whatever that would look like. And Lord, I pray for every person here who's in charge of services, leading, worship leading. You would anoint them, bless them. May they get a sense, really, for what you're doing in their churches right now. Amen. You guys are amazing. Be encouraged. And see you tomorrow for looking at how do we stay passionate through the seasons. Thanks.